we get started. Lord God in heaven, we are so grateful to you for allowing us to be here this evening. We thank you, Lord, for not just the folks that are here in the auditorium, but throughout this building as we hear the sounds of laughter and talking and people smiling, Lord God, and, and, and seeing one another for this midweek time to study your word. It's such a blessing, Lord, to have this family, to have the church, to call home. We're just so grateful to you, Lord, for the love that you have had for us for so long, Lord. We fail you often and daily. We're so grateful to you, Lord, that you sent Jesus so that we can be forgiven of our sins when we repent and ask for forgiveness and and know that you are still there looking at us, watching over us, taking care of us, Lord, and giving us the opportunity to grow for it takes time to do so. Bless us all this evening as we delve into your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. In some of the work that I, I do with the Air Force, I spend quite a deal trying to train uh, younger folks, younger uh, non-commissioned officers and airmen, and other senior non-commissioned officers, which I am uh, a senior NCO, um, on how to be a better person, to be a better airman, big A airman, to be a better prof- professional. And oftentimes I am, I'm explaining to folks that it's great to be a good air, uh, wingman. And, and in the Air Force, the Army, Navy, Marines, and Coast Guard have something similar. Um, I just don't know what it's called, but I know it's, it's the same thing. How we watch out for one another. Um, what, what would y'all call that there, Reese? A battle, battle buddy. You know, we have battle buddies, too, in special ops. So I, I can see that. And we call it being a good wingman. And being a good wingman, for those of you all that, are, that don't know what I'm talking about, uh, if you're flying an aircraft and you're in, say, a fighter plane, where there's only one person most of the time f- flying in the, uh, in the flight deck, and that person is up front, but they may have a buddy, battle buddy, or wingman behind them, or they're flying in formation, they may have other aircraft with them. Well, the person up front cannot see everything around them, so their wingman sees the stuff that's behind them and around them to warn them of what is coming from behind or on the side. While that wingman up front, he's still a wingman, he can see quicker what's happening in front of them, so they're all taking care of one another. And we're always reminded to be a good wingman. We're always reminded of that. Even when we have nothing to do with what that airman did way over there. Would you agree, uh, Reason, what, that, what that, that soldier did somewhere else, but we all get in trouble for it? And we, we have to be good wingmen. But I ask them all the time, what use is it of you being a good wingman and taking care of other people all the time if you never take care of yourself? You never take care of yourself. There's a story that I like to share that some of you all heard. Uh, a brother named Bill Mar- Norris uh, once wrote it in one of the uh, older papers uh, called The Gospel Guide. Guide. He, um, he wrote that there were two young fishermen, two young boys who were fishing above a low dam on a river near their hometown. As they were concentrating on catching fish, they were unaware that they had drifted until they were not far from the water flowing over the dam. 
When they realized their situation, the current uh, near the dam had become too powerful for them to keep their boat from going over. Below the dam, the water was dashing with strong force over great boulders and through crevices in the rocks. Caught by the swirling waters under the rocks, they never came to the surface. After, the day, after days of relentless searching, the divers finally found one body. Then, two or three days later, they found the other. I can imagine these two young boys probably in a little boat. Much uh, I, didn't, I didn't do a lot of fishing in boats or canoes when I was a kid, but being from Florida, I sat on the, on the side of the, what do you call it, um, canals, and on, uh, on banks a lot, because there's a lot of places you can just go fish, and that sun is beating down on you, and before you know it, if you're sitting there with a cane pole, because the fish with a cane pole a lot, if you were sitting in just the right position, you can go to sleep. And the sun is not too hot, and the wind's blowing just a little bit, and all types of things could have happened to me, like the alligators coming up out the water. Thankfully, it was sitting up high enough, and I know what they, you know, I, I know what they sound like, so I'm going to jump up quick enough. At least that's what I say. But if I'm not, if I wasn't careful, you know, all types of bad things could have happened. Just like with these two little boys. When Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Therefore, we must give the more <coughs> earnest heed to the things we have heard lest we drift away. Again, going back to these two young boys, imagine that they're in this little boat, <coughs> excuse me, we're in a canoe, and the sun is just right. And they've been fishing all day, and they're tired, and, and they're just not paying attention to the current, and next thing you know is what, we, what I just read, they've drifted away. The danger of drifting is not just um, limited to the physical realm. realm. As we read in verse two, verse 1 of chapter 2 here, we find a warning against drifting. Sadly, it is not uncommon for Christians to drift toward destruction. We've been talking about fellowship, Christian fellowship um, within the church. In this congregation, we're within the church. And we've been stressing for the last two months how we really need to take care of one another. Watch out for one another. Get to know one another, encourage one another, and edify one another. Sometimes I need that too, right? Sometimes you need that. Sometimes you, I, I need to take care of me. I need to take care of my spiritual well-being. And sometimes either I get so caught up in helping and taking care of other folks that I forget about me, because I have a soul that needs to be taken care of also, or <clears throat> I don't do any of that, and I just I'm just here. And sometimes we can get that way. Sometimes you, you ever feel like, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to go to the building, but today I just don't feel like dealing with people. You ever feel that way? It's all right. We're, we're together. The door is closed. They can't see y'all. They only can see me. You ever feel that way? Yeah. I do sometimes, too. Bad on me, right? Well, sometimes I'm human. I'm human all the time. And I, and I feel that way. But if I'm not careful, and if you're not careful, you may find yourself drifting. So I ask you to ask yourself, are you drifting? Much like the boys here, or like it says in verse 1. If, if, would you know if you were drifting? With this lesson, I hope that I can stimulate our minds and stimulate careful introspection regarding the danger of drifting away from the Lord. So let's consider a few things.
Consider things we should know about drifting. Drifting requires no effort at all. Any of y'all ever drifted in a boat? You ever drifted? Oh, I know all you all have drifted in a car or a vehicle, especially with the snow around here. I don't, me and Cameron and I were just talking about, excuse me, Shay, as you all know him, we're just talking about how it doesn't matter what kind of tires you are, you have, you may find yourself slipping just a little bit in your vehicle, right? Uh, especially if you're coming around the corner a little too, too quickly. <clears throat> now, some people like to drift. Drifting is part of a sport. But you have no control, really, when you're drifting. Watch the, uh, the, 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 the kids' movie, Cars. Cars, yeah, the first Cars movie. And, and the older car was trying to teach the younger car how, basically how to drift. He said, turn, he said, turn left to go right. Turn right to go left on the, on the dirt road, right? And, uh, and I have done that before in special operations. And that first time you do it, it's not fun. Because you feel scared. You're like, I have no control. And sometimes that's how we feel out here. Uh, especially when other people are making you drift when you don't want to. But drifting as a Christian, and not having any control can lead you straight to hell, straight to destruction. Just stopping or oaring, uh, stop oaring in a boat or tacking against the wind, and a boater will begin to drift. The same is true for Christians, which is why we are told we must give them more earnest heed in verse one. Turn over Second Peter chapter Second Peter chapter one. Second <coughs> Peter chapter one. Secondly, it is an unconscious process that is drifting. It's possible to drift unaware. In a boat or in a boat, undercurrents are often unnoticeable from the surface. In a plane, the wind or gravitational forces move the plane without you realizing it. The same is true in the spiritual realm. Many individual Christians have slowly, slowly, slowly drifted away. Many congregations have gradually drifted into error. Many of you all are of an age that is older than I am, or more mature, and you've been around and you have seen congregations come and go, have you not? Um, I have too. I know of, I'm new of congregations when I was a kid that don't exist anymore. Just because the congregation just, the members drifted away and eventually the, the doors just closed of the, at the church building. And then some of the members that were left just went elsewhere. Many congregations have gradually drifted into error. So they still are packed with people, but you won't recognize it as the church anymore. You ever experienced that? Where you, maybe you've gone back down to Lower 48 and visited a congregation that you were once affiliated with or that you know about, and you go and it's like, no, this is not the, this is not the church. This is not the same. What happened here? Only one day to find themselves far removed from the scriptures. We never drift upstream. You ever realize that? I mean, we can see that every year with the uh, with the salmon. Thank you, thank you, brother. With the salmon, they are they having a hard time getting a stream, right? It's not not an easy thing for them to do. So you don't drift upstream. You don't. It's not easy to go against the tide. Um, faithfulness to the Lord is like uh, rowing or oaring oaring uh, upstream you must constantly and consistently be adding to your first faith excuse me first peter chapter one starting at verse five 
And if, at any time anyone has something to say, I, I welcome your comments. First Peter chapter 1, starting at verse 5. Scripture there says, I'm not looking at the right place. Second Peter, sorry, I apologize. Second Peter chapter 1. Court, man, you're not, you're failing me, brother. Second Peter chapter 5, now it was all on me, all on me. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 5. But also for this very reason, given all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you are neither, you'll be neither or neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You must continue to grow. If you look at chapter 3 of the same book, chapter 3 and verse 18, the scripture there says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. The moment you stop growing, you stop going, you start going backwards or down, um, or downwards, like the boys did, um, down the waterfall or across the dam. You know, what I'm thinking about is the scripture that we just read there in first Peter versus, uh, and starting in verse five. If you stay busy trying to do these things, adding to these virtues to you, to your, uh, repertoire, to your character, Satan will have a hard time getting after you. He will have a hard time trying to to pull you down. That doesn't mean he will stop trying. Uh, on the door in the office over here, I, I put on the door uh, something to remind me that when Satan is coming after you, make him have to climb over so much scripture that he just he just forgets about you. He just moves on. Because you are resisting him, and you're drawing closer to God. See, when you're drifting, you're not adding to, uh, you're not adding these virtues, these, these spiritual virtues to your, uh, to your character. You're not adding any knowledge. You're not working on self-control or being patient, or excuse me, or having, persevering, you know, keep on, keeping on, keeping on, keeping on, and adding knowledge and just, you know, and all of these we can work at. We're not perfect. And none of us in this room have these down pat. Some of us are better at some of these virtues than, uh, than others, but we need to keep working at them. Because if we don't, we're going to be just like those boys drifting down the stream, unaware. Another thing about drifting is that the speed downstream increases. It doesn't slow down. If you know anything about running water, you know, it might start like in a small place. I, I, I was very interested to find out where Ship Creek started on a map. I am strange like that. I, I love knowing, um, as I say, um, useless knowledge just to have for myself. I, I know stuff about things that I, I probably shouldn't know, you know or, or that you wouldn't even, like about pews. There are things about pews that I know about only because I helped re reupholster some many many years ago and it's one thing to reupholster them but it's the strange stuff I learned about it's, I'm just saying so Ship Creek I forgot exactly um, the lake that it starts at 
and on what part of the mountain. But when you look at it and map where it starts, it is so very small. And the water flows so very slow, slowly. But as it gets down here, before it gets out here into the bay, it is flowing. I even, even roll here by the base uh, on uh, Government Hill, uh, over there by the hatchery. The water is just going faster and faster and faster. Well, the dangers increase with the speed of the drift, and we can hear the noise of the waterfall. If we can hear the noise of the waterfall, it's already too late. You've seen movies where people, they're like, what's that noise? Oh, that's a waterfall. It's too late for them now. I mean, most most times they can't help but going uh, over the waterfall. They lose sight of land, and it's more difficult to discern that we are drifting. As we move farther and farther from the Lord, we care less and less about what we do. And I'm not asking you to go and test that out. I'm not asking you to go find out, well, if I move farther away, I'm, I'm a strong Christian, but let, let me test it out. Let me see if I can do without reading God's word. And let me see if I can do without worshiping for a little while. Let me see if I can do without uh, attending Bible class and, and the, the services that we have here and the activities that go on. And let me, let me see if I can just do without being around other Christian folks. And I'm telling you, I'm going to remain strong. You won't last. I'm telling you, you won't last. Uh, I, a saying that used to be said when I know when I was growing up, well, one, one week without, well, one, seven days without prayer makes one week. I know it's, it's kind of comical, but if you don't pray, if you don't spend time with the Lord, you're going to be weak. I mean, if you disagree with me, let's, let's have a discussion right now. I would love to know what you, what you think, but I know what the Bible says. But anyone got any comment on that? I'm challenging you, huh? Yeah, that, because it's right. It's not because I'm right. It's because the scripture is right. Another thing about drifting, it is dangerous to others. It doesn't just affect you. Turn to Ephesians chapter 6. A ship just drifting is a hazard to all other vessels at sea. I think you get that point. If, uh, <clears throat> you don't even have to be in a, in sea, at sea. I'm, I'm thinking about um, what if we went we go down here to Cook Inlet and there are a bunch of piers down there and what if there was just a, a ship out there in the distance that is drifting but is heading inland. What kind of damage can that cause to the other boats or ships that are in port? that are tied on. I ain't looking for answers. What's that? Yeah, it'll be big. Be dangerous, right? I mean, we, we've seen here recently <coughs> cruise ships who are passing each other too closely and going very slow, but they cause a whole lot of damage, right? Same thing happened in the church. Parents who are just drifting will soon lose golden opportunities to teach their children. Ephesians 6, verse 4 says, And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Some other versions say fear and admonition of the Lord, respecting the Lord, having that, that, reverent, that reverence for the Lord. You know, <clears throat> excuse me, we often, Jennifer and I often talk about, or we have in the past, that, 
You get about 18 to 21 years to teach your children everything they need to know for the rest of their lives. And if you miss some opportunities when they're younger, it makes it harder for you, though not uh, impossible, to help change their vector, the direction that they're going. And so the younger they are and how you're teaching them about discipline and about honoring the parents, honoring adults, uh, excuse me, respecting adults and, uh, you know, saying please and thank you and all the niceties. When you're teaching them that when they're younger, it's so much easier than when they're older, though not impossible. When we were stationed in Arkansas, there was a brother there, one of the deacons, I believe one of the deacons, no, one of the, yeah, one of the deacons there, his sister who lived in another state, wrote a book that we use for our Bible classes. is for parents. And it was called Children Children Are Rocket Science. Raising, being a parent, something about being a parent is rocket science. Because she was a rocket scientist for NASA. And what she said was that there was a time when, and, and we've seen it many a times, when at NASA they would, I mean, they try to, they were trying to take their time to build things, but they are on schedule, and they have suspenses, and there's money that's involved. And so you have to go ahead and, and put the rocket or whatever together. But we've seen mistakes throughout the years, have we not? You know, shuttles that have exploded. Even, even, even before then, I'm thinking about the Mercury. Um, before I was born, I know about the Mercury capsule and stuff like that, and even in the simulators, how... Because somebody made a mistake. The Hubble's telescope costs millions and billions and billions of dollars to make, but because they did not want to do one last check of the surface of the the uh, window or the not the window, the uh, mirror, one of the mirrors, it went up there, and they kept getting all these distorted images back. And when they dialed it all the way down, they realized, oh, it's because we didn't do that last check, and there was like a very small just minuscule scratch on it. And so they had to figure out a way to get a new mirror up there to replace it and put it back on. As soon as they did that, we see all the images we see today. But what she was saying in this book was that there are times, because we've made mistakes in the past, that we'll get to almost the last step of building this rocket or whatever it is, and we realize, well, it's going to cost us more money, but we need to rewire this or it's going to explode, and we've wasted all our money, we have to rebuild it. And she said it's worth the time to stop, to realize our mistake, and rewire the rocket so that it may work better in the future. And so I would say that it's all right to stop and rewire. It's going to take some work. Many, many of our, um, many of the folks that are drifting are tossed to and fro, and carried about by every wind of doctrine, as Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14 says. Ephesians 4, 14. Well, let's, let's read, uh, let's start at verse 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. For the equipping, equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, so we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, <coughs> excuse me, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be t children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine 
by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Going back to talking, thinking about our bodies or, or, or the church as a body, let me ask you this. What, just what if, do you, have you ever had a body part or something in your body that you didn't pay attention to and eventually either it just stopped working or started malfunctioning functioning or where did that pain come from? You ever get, I mean, I do sometimes, like, I didn't even know I was hurting right there. Like, I, I recently have had some issues with my shoulder. And I promise you, I thought it was just right here. That's what I was telling Corey and Sarah. I thought it was just, I thought it was right here. And over a period of a few weeks, the pain drifted down my, to, to part of my chest. And, and, and I couldn't put my arm back. I was like, oh, and it hurts just a little bit now, but it's better. I was like, oh, that's, that's painful. And eventually, I was like, okay, this is starting to cause me some, some pain where I can't do certain things like drive or push the, uh, the soap dispenser in the bathroom. Oh, something must be wrong. Went to the doctor or went to physical therapy, and that lady pulled my arm his way, that way, these little everything. I was like, I didn't even know it hurt all there. And that's what can happen in the church with each of us. If, say, court is drifting, and we just let him do that. And that's thing we know, Court isn't here. Sarah's here all by herself because she's perfect. Right, Sarah? Right? She's here, and we never figure out well, what's going on with Court. Or we just assume, oh, he's out of town. We do that during the summertime, spring and summertime here. You realize that? We, we just assume, oh, well, it must be out of town. No, they're just not here. That, that goes back to us taking care of one another. Again, I'm talking about us, just you individually, though. But I just want you to see that. And lastly, the thing about drifting is that it always ends in shipwreck. A boat adrift will crash on the rocks or go over the falls. For those who drift spiritually through their own neglect, there shall be no escape from a just punishment. Turn back to Hebrews chapter 2. I know we read verse 1. Already, but let's read it again through verse 3. Therefore, we must give them more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? God also bearing witness, both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. The danger of drifting is real, or there will be no need to warn against it here in Hebrews chapter 2. So again, I ask you, ask, ask yourself, as I ask myself, are you drifting? Am I drifting? Am I just here? Am I just going through the motions? Are you? To help us answer these, this question... Here's some common signs of drifting. Turn to Psalm chapter 1. Psalms chapter 1. 1. One sign 
Psalm chapter 169. One sign is the diminishing, the diminishing desire to study God's word and the diminishing desire to pray. The Bible is a unique book, a source of information not found anywhere else. Without God's revelation, how could we truly know our origin, our purpose, and our destiny? Of course, it first starts with faith and for us believing that God is who he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him and that he is the authority that when we start with that, when we know that God is in charge and that it is God that has created all, when we, when we, when we start there, and we try our best not to forget that if we ever have a diminishing desire to study God's word and pray, then we have forgotten who is in charge. It tells us of sin's dreadful uh, consequences and how God saves us from sin. Now, I will tell you that there are some people in the church and out that will say, you know what? I don't believe that sin is what sin, what we are, what you all are saying sin is. And so since I don't believe that, then I don't have to follow what the Bible says. You ever heard anyone either voice that or, or you know that's their opinion by the things, their actions and the things they do? Well, sin is not sin. Not, it's not separation from God. You're saying, you know, Jaylee, you're saying sin is that. I don't believe it's that. So I can now believe what I want to. And that makes me feel better about myself. Whether you feel better about yourself or not, God's word is still true. And sin is sin. Sin separates us from God. It also proves direction for living happy, useful lives. Psalm 1, starting at verse 1, says, <clears throat> Blessed is the man who walks, who, who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit and its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Mike Shoemaker actually gave us a lesson last Tuesday night uh, during our men's Bible class coming from these verses, correct? I mean, I know you, you, we, we, we had a long discussion, actually, about these verses here. And what I know I took from it is that the verse says, Blessed is the man who walks in not in the counsel of the ungodly, who nor stands nor sits. I, I see the sin. I see the temptation as I'm walking by it. And I come back and I stand. And next thing I know, I'm in it. I sat down and I'm enjoying the sin. The, the temptation isn't the sin. Is when I act upon it. And so I'm sitting in it. I'm surrounding myself with it. And so because of that, I am not with God. And the scripture says, blessed is the man who walks not, who, and nor stands, nor, nor sits. And, and, and from these verses, I go straight to Proverbs chapter 1, and chapter 2, and chapter 3 through 6. Starts talking about wisdom and how we should... We should really pray for wisdom. We, James tells us that as we talked uh, a few weeks ago. But we should really be seeking after wisdom. Well, we can't do that if we're never, <coughs> excuse me, we start not having that desire 
to be with God's people, to be in his word, to talking to God. I know life is a struggle, no matter what age you are. Life is a struggle. Because Satan, you know, he's always trying. Satan is not going to give up on us, y'all, until we're dead. Satan is always trying to pull us down. And he will make, he will make anything, he can make anything a struggle for you. So as is a, you know it's gonna, life is a struggle, we should be talking to God, who is, you know, he gave us life. He knows about life. So we should be always be talking to him. And then when we're not talking to him, we should be in his word. And if we're not necessarily, you know, in his word, like every, you know, all the time, I got scripture right in front of me. Obviously, I, I work for a living too. You know, I, I have other things I have to do. But maybe I'm thinking about a scripture in my mind or I'm singing a song. We've talked about that a few weeks ago. Singing a song, there's a song in my head. Maybe I'm, I'm sharing a, a text, uh, group text message. There's a few of us in here right now that have been sharing messages with each other today. And it's an encouragement. Um, because maybe we're struggling through life or there's something going on in life or I need you to pray for me about, about this. Or we may share something funny with one another. That's coming from my brother or my sister in Christ. <clears throat> Nothing out of the ordinary. It's just it's so great to be surrounded by God. So when I see you and you see me, you see Jesus. You see God. You, you feel good about being a Christian. When one loses their desire to study God's word, they're drifting. Prayer is a wonderful blessing an avenue to communicate with God. Jesus, who loved his father, often prayed. We see that in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, and Mark chapter 6, verse 46. He expressed concern that his disciples not grow weary to pray, Luke 18, 1. When a Christian prays less and less, he is drifting more and more. Because when you're not talking to God, then you're not maybe thinking on godly things. You need to talk to God. Guess what? God wants to hear from us. Just like all of you all here who are parents, who at one time maybe had small kids and they're grown now, or you have small kids at home now, you have children at home, or you have grandchildren, or you know you know a child. What I'm getting at is that a lot of times we know what our children want or need before they ask for it. A lot of times, I think when they get a little older, it's kind of harder to, I'm finding that out. But a lot of times we know what they need, or what they want. We we want them to ask us about it, don't we? We want them to talk to us about it. Because it's teaching them responsibility. It's teaching them respect. It's teaching them that, oh, it's not just going to show up just because you you want it. You know? And the same thing is with God. God is not a genie that we rub a little lamp and, poof, we get what we want. No. And and, and just because God knows what we want and need, and, and oftentimes God is... God is providing for us well beyond what what we deserve, which we deserve nothing. But God still wants us to talk to him. And not just for us getting things from him. How about you just talk to God? Have conversations with him. And and he's not going to answer you back like uh, we're talking right now. But that's why we have his word. But talk to the Father. Jesus who loved his Father, again, he talked to him Another thing, another sign is a diminishing desire to be with God's people. Now, I already kind of hit upon this, but if you turn to Psalm 122, right quick. (coughs) Excuse me. Psalm 122, verse 1, it says, I was glad 
when they said to me, <coughs> excuse me, let us go into the house of the Lord. This includes attending services to worship God. One should always have the attitude of the psalmist. Be glad to be worshiping with, the, um, with those uh, like Christians, like-minded uh, folks. If we no longer rejoice in the worship of God in the presence of brethren, we are drifting. Fellowship with God's people extends beyond the services of this church building. We are to be concerned with edifying one another. We've, we've discussed this earlier, Romans 14, 19. And such edification should occur even daily, Hebrews 3, 13. You know, it used to be said, well, we don't, <clears throat> we're not like they were in the first century where they met every day, they could meet every day. You know, we're, we're such a mobile society. Man, there's no excuses anymore. We have so much technology now that we can reach out and touch someone. You know, we can actually see each other sometimes on, I don't know if you want to or not, but see each other and talk to one another. Uh, we were just, have, some of us in here were just having a discussion last week, I want to say, that about long distance. We were talking about long distance uh, coverage. You remember when long distance was expensive? It is no longer that anymore. I have a Florida number, and you can call me, and it doesn't cost no more than it does when you're calling somebody here in Alaska. Not just not just phone calls, though. Writing one another. These are things that we've already hit upon, and, and I don't want to reiterate that uh, for a second time, but let's, let's not make excuses. For the right kind of friendships, uh, the right kind of friendship strengthens us, while the wrong kind leads us to sin. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12, and 1 Corinthians 15, 33. I'm sure you're familiar with that verse for sure. Evil company corrupts good morals. Evil communications corrupt good, uh, good morals. When a Christian prefers the companionship of people of the world rather than fellow, fellow Christians, he is drifting toward the rocks of spiritual destruction. So if you enjoy your time with, and there's nothing wrong with having friends that are in the world. Some of those people, <clears throat> you, hopefully you, your, your whole thought is, I'm trying to get them to Christ. You work with people. I have, I have people that, that, I, that I work with, my peers. You know, folks I've known for many, many, many years that I do consider friends. And, know, and, and because I consider them friends, I want to make sure they know the gospel. Um, but if there are things that are people that are they are doing that are contrary to what I know what the word says, I'm not going to be around that. And it, it could be so easy to be pulled into that because you want people to like you. And I'm telling you, being in heaven is going to be so much better. Think about think on that. Being in heaven is going to be so much better. So don't don't destroy <clears throat> your opportunity to get there. Now, you also have a diminishing desire to share the gospel. When one obeys the gospel, he knows God has blotted out his sins, made him a new creature in Christ, and he wants to tell the world all about Jesus. Acts 8, 4, and 1 Thessalonians 1, 8. I don't know about you, when I became a Christian, I wanted to tell the world about everything that I knew. My fire, I had a blaze. I was ready to go. And then, like many of you, it got a little dim. I went on fire anymore. And it's just kind of like a little flicker. And I'm trying to get it back to, to that blaze again. And we need each other to help each other with that. There could be many reasons why that has happened to us, some of us, me. I, I don't want to speak for you. But if you're drifting, you won't want to share 
the gospel with anyone else. Because how are you going to be trying to tell somebody to do right and you're not doing it yourself? You know? What, what do you look like? A hypocrite, right? Right. You're going to um, lose the increasing thrill over the thing, or excuse me, you're going to have an increasing thrill over the things of the world when you are uh, drifting. Some remedies against drifting. I will tell you that First, Second uh, Peter 1, 5 and 10 tells us basically to keep on rowing. Just keep on going. Spiritually, spiritually speaking, this involves diligence. It also means to keep abounding in our Christian graces, as we read in Second Peter 1, 5 through 8. There is no place for retirement in living the life of a Christian. Everybody got that? You don't get to retire until you're dead. Revelation 2.10 says, you know, tells us to be faithful unto death. Not if you're going to die, you're going to die, or you're going to be changed and, and call home. But even if death were to come, if, if you're standing there and someone's going to kill you because of your faith, you stay faithful unto death. So you don't get to retire. None of us do. And I hope you didn't have it in mind. If you didn't know that, you don't get retired, okay? So you don't get retired. Um, watch out for the undercurrents. We must always be on guard for undercurrent, the undercurrent of temptation. For we have a fleshly nature which wages war against the soul. Second, 1 Peter 2.11 and Galatians 5.16-18. Here's something. You're a Christian. Expect to go against the tide. Expect, expect that the world is going to be like, what are you doing? Come on with us. You, these are things we all know, right? We also all also know why we take partake of the Lord's Supper every Sunday, yet we still do it, don't we? Because we need a reminder. I want to remind you that Satan is right there trying to have you turn the other way. Be peculiar, as the word tells us to be. If one desires, no, one drifts along with the majority... He certainly will be lost. Matthew seven thirteen through fourteen. We must have strong anchorage. <coughs> Colossians two six through seven tells us to be rooted and grounded in Christ. Ephesians four fourteen through fifteen reminds us that our minds must be anchored to the truth. No matter what happens, I'm sticking with God. And we have to tell ourselves that now. We have to do. What, what, what do we do before winter comes? We start doing all, a lot of preventive, you know, maintenance and doing the summertime, fixing this, doing that. Because winter is going to come, right? As long as the Lord allows the earth to keep on going, winter is going to come. And so we try to do preventive maintenance. We change the tires. We do all those things because we know it's coming. So Satan is coming. Satan is, wants to pull you away. Stick with God. Because what Revelation tells us, what does it tell us at the end? God wins, right? We, we win. God, God is, God is one. We already know. So let's just stick with God. Stay anchored. We must possess an unshakable hope. Hebrews 6, 18 through 19. Somebody is always coming with something new. Always with something new. You know, new phones. I think one day we're going to be typing stuff in the air. I don't know. Our cars gonna be flying. People are always trying to make new Bibles, you know, new versions of the Bible, versions that are not helpful at all. There's a Bible out there. It's a homosexual Bible. It changes everything that the Bible says about homosexuality. It makes it better. It says what they were doing in Sodom and Gomorrah. They they weren't doing it right. They were not praising God the right way 
in their homosexuality. We're doing it right now, so we're going to change. Yeah, stay with God. Don't change the hope that you have within you. Don't let someone come along and tell you that, well, there's something new. There's a new gospel. Jesus came once and for all. There is no other way to get to heaven. There's only Jesus. So if you're looking, if someone is looking for another way, I'm here to tell you, I mean, I can't predict the future, but scripture lets me know there's nothing else. There's nothing else coming. I ask again, are we drifting? The danger is very real. As time goes on, it gets, it's going to get harder and harder for us as Christians if we allow it to. Because the world is continuing to change. Stay the course. Watch out for Satan. You know, Satan, Satan doesn't hide. You know, uh, the scripture says, it doesn't say he is a lion, but he's like a roaring lion who goes, who's going to and fro, seeking who he may um, devour. Just like, I believe he was doing that when Job, like in Job, when God asked him where he come from, he's saying he's going to and fro. Well, the thing about a lion, a roaring lion, I've seen a lion in real life in a zoo, but I guarantee you, if I had never saw a lion <coughs> before and my back was turned and I heard it roaring, I wouldn't even have to turn around. All right? I would know. So Satan, he makes, he, he's like, hey, I'm here. See, right here. We see him come. We see the temptation. We see the problems that we have. Turn and stay with God. If you're drifting, please let us know. I, I want to know. If you need to pull me to the side or someone else to the side, brother or sister here, ask us to pray for you. Let us do that. You don't have to do this alone. You definitely, I don't want you drifting. And, and, I, and if you see me drifting, and there are telltale signs when we are, please, Jaylee, what, what are you doing? Court, I'm expecting, I told you, you're supposed to keep me straight, so I'm expecting you to tell me something. All right? Let's have a word of prayer. Lord God in heaven, we thank you for tonight. Thank you for this opportunity to see and to hear what your word has to say about drifting. Help us, Lord God, to stay the course, to be anchored, to have our souls anchored in Christ. We ask that you be with us now as we go into this period of devotion. And that you bless all those that could not be here tonight. For some are sick, Lord God, and some are just not able to be here for other reasons. We thank you, Lord, for all the blessings that you've bestowed upon us. Your grace and mercy are so wonderful, and we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all for coming to class.